basketball our basketball segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'll be your host once again james i'm joined by mate nate and terry what's up guys so all right in today's episode uh we're just going to jump right into the nba playoffs there's a lot to cover uh we'll recap the play-in uh we'll recap the the early portion of each series and uh we'll just sort of project uh what we see for each series and then we'll end it off with a preview of the upcoming games. So uh, let's just hop right into it, taking a look at the play-in. Let's look at the 9-10 game in the East. Uh, That was the Indiana Pacers against the Charlotte Hornets. The Pacers come out on top, 144 to 117. That game was a blowout. Uh, Nate, let me get to you first on this. Did we expect to see this from the Pacers? Um, I didn't expect the Pacers to blow out the Hornets. I actually thought the Hornets would beat the Pacers before. Yeah, it's pretty interesting um, how this happened. Uh, just taking a look at the top scores uh, in each category here, we have point leaders, Miles Bridges for the Hornets, O'Shea Brissett for the Pacers with 23 each. Uh, Miles Bridges also led in rebounds for the Hornets with eight. And DeMantis Sabonis, 21 rebounds. He really had his way there at the rim. Uh, Terry, let me ask you, was Sabonis pretty much the, the reason this team won? I feel like it's just a mix between the scoring from the veterans and new guys like O'Shea Brissett and them just controlling the boards over the younger Charlotte Hornets team. Sabonis is a big reason to why, just due to the fact that he had over 20 rebounds that night. And I guess comparing the result from that game to like all of our predictions from the last episode, I feel like we underestimated the space of this team. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Sabonis even added nine uh, assists to lead his team. And Terry Rozier led the Hornets uh, with six assists. And um, Mete, let me just get to you on the Hornets. Um, I think this team has a bright future, but what do you think of this team heading into next year? Like you said, they definitely have a bright future with them having such a young roster. Um, It sucks that they got blown out this game because I was expecting them them to win here, but... Looks like they're not ready yet. Yeah, I had to give some love to the Pacers last episode because you guys were all just all on the Hornets side. So um, it was good that they did come through. And speaking of another team I had to defend last episode, the Boston Celtics, they also came through against the Washington Wizards in the 7-8 game to clinch the seventh seed. Um, This time I'll get to you first, Mete. Uh, Did we expect to see this big result from Boston? Uh, personally, I didn't expect it because I thought Westbrook and Beal could carry, but it turns out that Tatum was the one who carried. Like, he was phenomenal this game. 50 points, very efficient, and, yeah, Boston got it done. Yeah, just looking at the stats, uh, 50 points for Jason Tatum. On the other side, Bradley Beal only had 22, so a little less than his usual point output. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 14 rebounds. Uh, Tristan Thompson for the Celtics led them with 12 rebounds. And then Bradley Beal and Marcus Smart both led their teams with six assists. And uh, Nate, just getting to you, um, 
I don't know, what did Washington not do in this game um, as far as whether it's Bradley Bill or Westbrook or just as a team, and, and what's the reason they didn't win? Um, I guess that's kind of hard to say. I guess just kind of uh, trying trying to see. I think um, Jason Tatum was just really good. Campbell Walker was also really good. And I think the Wizards were good as well, but I guess it's just kind of like a situation where um, the Celtics just kind of days happened to kind of dig deep and they were able to pull away from the Wizards. Yeah, it really seemed like they the Celtics were able to contain Bradley Beal. I know he normally goes off for at least 30 almost every game. I believe he was the second leading scorer behind Steph Curry this year. So, I mean, this guy can put up points. There's no question, but it seemed like Jason Tatum was the better player. And I, I guess, uh, Terry, just getting to you on this, um, how does the loss of Jalen Brown really affect this Boston team going forward? It affects them just for the fact that it gives a little bit of pressure off of Tatum's shoulders and it gives a lot of pressure off of Kemba Walker's shoulders. Um, for Tatum, we all know that he can basically score from anywhere on the court. And with Kemba Walker on the other hand, we do know that recently he has struggled with some of his injuries. And with Jalen Brown, you can see him being effective on both ends of the court, whether it's just finding the open shot or uh, clogging a passing lane on defense. Yeah, I mean... Boston, they've definitely looked different without Jalen Brown. I mean, I believe he was an all-star this year, so he was pretty much a big part of their success. And um, I guess we'll have to see. Um, I know uh, their series has already started, but we'll definitely have to see if they can get some wins moving forward without him. Um, just looking into the the West play-in games, the 9-10 here, it was the Memphis Grizzlies beating the San Antonio Spurs 100-96. to uh, Terry, let me get to you first. The Spurs really dug a hole for themselves early in this game, and they really had to try and come back, but it was pretty much too little, too late at that point. Um, I know the Spurs are your team. I know you said you didn't believe in them, and I guess this is clear why uh, you didn't fully have faith in them. I guess what can they do moving into next season? Moving into next season, just because it's San Antonio and not a lot of key free agents want to come to San Antonio, to play at the Alamo. Um, you got to build through the draft, find guys that are in free agency that are trying to make it their way back into the league. Um, with guys like Gorgi Dang and uh, I believe Drew Banks, those guys you're going to have to rely on at the center position and possibly you're going to have to find a guy in the draft to build your front court around. Jakob is a great center at the moment, but the problem is when you play a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, as I mentioned in the last episode, um, he's just capable of grabbing 20 rebounds on your team, and that's what he did tonight. It was basically Jonas Valanciunas uh, grabbing every board, whether it's on uh, offensive side or the defensive side, and he was just bullying Jakob Perdo. And then you have guys like um, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, they have to be more effective with their uh, field goals. Murray, I think he went four for 17, and then DeMar, he went five for 21. And if those are your two guys in the backcourt, 
you're hoping for better shot selection. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah, for sure. Um, just looking at some of the stats here, your leaders, uh, Dylan Brooks, he's been playing really solid for the Grizzlies, the 24 points to lead them. DeMar DeRozan with 20 for the Spurs. Uh, your rebound leaders, DeJounte Murray, 13 for the Spurs, and Jonas Valanciunas had 23 rebounds for the Grizzlies. And then DeJounte Murray also led the Spurs in assists with 11, and John Morant had six for the Grizzlies. So, uh, Mete, let me get to you on, on this here. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, he pretty much dominated, especially in the early part of this game. Um, I know everyone talks about John Morant being the main guy uh, in Memphis, but it really looks like um, they're using Valanciunas to sort of build their offense around. What do you think about that? Um, I'm very happy with the way Memphis is using Valanciunas because when he was a Raptor, I always believed he was very underrated. He'd be getting like 20 minutes around there a game, even though he's our starter. And this game, he had 37, I think, um, against the Jazz. He had like 39 minutes. And like I said, I'm very happy to see them utilize him more in Coten because he's very underrated. Yeah, and um, Nate, just getting to you, um, I, I guess – in terms of the Spurs, what can they sort of use as a learning experience? I know that uh, DeRozan's always had that tag that he he's pretty much frozen in the playoffs. Um, uh, I don't know. What does he need to do to sort of get rid of that? Um, It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I guess you could say maybe just um, better shot selection. He's known as kind of like a mid-range specialist, so... I, th I believe he, I think he has the ability to kind of score from outside a little bit more. Maybe he could kind of vary that or they could kind of restructure the team in such a way that they have people who can score out on the outside, kind of create more space a little bit, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And um, just moving into uh, the next play in game, it was the 7-8 game in the West, the LA Lakers against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Lakers won by a score of 103 to 100. Um, just taking a look at some of the stats here, Steph Curry led the Warriors with 37 points. Anthony Davis added 25 for the Lakers. Kevon Looney, 13 rebounds for the Warriors. And Anthony Davis had 12 for the Lakers. Uh, Draymond Green led his team with eight assists. And LeBron James led his with 10. And uh, Mate, I'll get to you first on this game. Uh, what did you like from the Lakers here? Why did they get the win? Um, the Lakers, they got the win because Anthony Davis and LeBron were on their game. Uh, LeBron with the triple-double, Anthony Davis with the double-double. And they also got some help from Caruso off the bench, which is always nice. The thing with the Lakers, you know that Davis and LeBron will carry. And then you're going to have to have like a third player chip in like a Schroeder, Drummond, or Kuzma, or even Harold, but they're not very consistent. I think that's the one problem they have right now. Yeah, for sure. And sort of just looking at Golden State, um, I think one thing I noticed in the game were, was that the moment Steph Curry got off the court, they pretty much just didn't have a, a reliable scorer. So, like, they just pretty much let the Lakers back into the game at that point. And it, it was really tough. So, Nate, let me get to you on this. Uh, I guess with Klay Thompson coming back next year, do you think this makes the Warriors team better and how much better? 
Um, it definitely makes the Warriors better. Um, how much better is kind of hard to say because um, I guess Clay Thompson, he can um, score, I guess, by himself. He was able to make plays um, against the Raptors in the finals. Um, but I think for the most part, the Warriors are pretty much run through Steph Curry. So it'll they'll be better, but it's hard to say how much better. Yeah, I know definitely a lot of other injuries really hurt them. Um, no James Wiseman in this game, no Kelly Oubre. Um, Andrew Wiggins did play very well for them. He added 21 points in this game. Um, and I, I'll just get to you, Terry. Uh, we'll talk about the Lakers here. Um, they really didn't look like they were at their best in this game. I feel like at their best, they would have won by a more convincing score over this Warriors team. But what do the Lakers need to do to sort of get back to the way they were playing last season in the playoffs? Um, if you're trying to do that, just get off to a better start. It was pretty notable, like, in the first half that they were pretty sluggish coming out of the gate, especially with the two key stars, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Then shorter as well. Um, having said that, just get off the better starts and then you'll be winning in more convincing fashion. Yeah, for sure. And um, just moving into the 8-9 playing game for the East, speaking of not getting off to a good start, the Pacers really didn't get off to a good start in this game. They ended up getting blown out by the Wizards, 142 to 115. Um I know that we were all mesmerized by the way that um, Sabonis pretty much handled the Hornets, that we were really um, favoring the Pacers in this game, but ultimately they just couldn't get it done. Um, just looking at the scoring leaders here, Bradley Beal added 25 for the Wizards. Uh, Brogdon led his team with 24 points. DeMantis Sabonis added 11 rebounds for the Pacers. And Daniel Gafford had 13 for the Wizards. Uh, Sabonis had 10 assists. Uh, for the Pacers to go with Russell Westbrook with 15 for the Wizards. And um, this is a game that uh, both Westbrook, well, mostly Westbrook, but also Bradley Beal dominated. So I'll get to you first this time, Terry. Um, this Wizards team, are they overrated or are they underrated heading into the first round? I think they're playing against, who is it? The uh, Sixers, right? Yeah, Philly, yeah. If it's Philly, um. I wouldn't consider them overrated. I would consider them underrated just due to the fact that a lot of people are going to look at their inconsistencies a lot more than them being hot in the last, uh, I believe, month of the season. Having said that, I mean, there are guys on this team, aside from Westbrook and Beal, that can help them out when they get hot. Uh, Hachimura at the power forward spot. Then you have Sogat that. Latvian sniper known as Davis Tans. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Daniel Gafford did have a coming out game where he had 13 rebounds and I believe 15 points alongside with that. There are a lot of young guys on this Wizards team, and I feel like they might be stealing one or two games from the Sixers squad. Yeah, for sure. They have been looking good. And uh, Nate, let me get to you on the Pacers. Um, no Karis Levert in the play-in for them. Um, no Miles Turner. I mean, they're missing some key pieces. I guess, what can we look forward to, um, I guess, next year if this Pacers team is healthy and they get those guys back? I mean, I think if the Pacers are healthy, we might be able to see them in the playoffs. Um, 
I think the the Pacers they have um, really decent bench depth already. They were just missing Miles Turner and Karis Levert, so they should be a lot better next year for sure. Yeah, and getting to you, Mete, uh, once again on the Wizards, um, Russell Westbrook. He sort of has that tag also that he he doesn't play well in the playoffs. I guess what can he do uh, in the first round to sort of just get that off his back? Um. Honestly, that's kind of an unfair uh, way to look at it. I feel like Westbrook is a great player, and basketball is a team sport, so the game just doesn't fall on one person. And one thing I want to add about the Wizards is I really don't understand why Daniel Gafford's not their starting center right now. Um, He's a great defender. He'll shoot at the rim, so he doesn't take stupid shots. And they're already playing him more than Alex Len, who's their starter. So I feel like they need to make that change. Yeah, I know Alex Len hasn't worked for a lot of teams now. And I know coming into Washington, he sort of had a breakout. But yeah, I think you are right. Uh, Gafford does need to start there. Um, I guess maybe they'll figure it out in the first round. Maybe if things don't go their way at the rim, um, because we know how strong of a team Philly is uh, in the front court. So. Um, let's just get to the 8-9 matchup in the West. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies actually upset the Golden State Warriors 117-112. to uh, Golden State was the higher seed coming into this matchup, but ultimately lost their playoff spot. Um, Steph Curry did lead the Warriors, though, with 39 points. John Morant added 35 for the Grizzlies. Jonas Valanciunas, 12 rebounds for the Grizzlies. And Draymond Green had 16 for the Warriors. Uh, John Morant, six assists for the Grizzlies, and Draymond Green adding his 10 assists for Golden State. So, um, Nate, let me get to you first on this. Um, I guess we were all thinking the Warriors were going to win this, but I guess what happened here? How did the Grizzlies win? Um, I mean, I thought the Warriors would have won as well, but I noticed uh, the Warriors still have a lot of... um, do not plays they have a lot of people who are out so that might have been a factor as well um there i guess a lot of players on the grizzlies they had really good games uh grayson allen had 12 points desmond bain had uh 10 points so i think uh the grizzlies they were just really good all around this game yeah for sure and um i guess terry getting to you about golden state here um, it looks like Draymond Green played really, really well in this game. Steph Curry, of course, dropping 39 points. But I guess um, the rest of this team, they're just missing players overall. Um, I guess what was the main issue for them in this game? Like, what is it about Memphis that they just couldn't beat? I feel like their rotation is a little bit more significant. Well, as Nathan said, they have guys missing. And I believe they probably only played like seven or eight guys this game. A majority of them playing, I believe, over 30 minutes a night, or not a night, but that game. Um, as we know, uh, Kelly Oubre, he's out with a wrist problem. I'm not a thousand percent sure what happened there. And we all know uh, the story with Clay Thompson. Um, I just feel like next year that if you add those two guys um, to their roster, they won't have a problem just being the Memphis Grizzlies. And not to forget, James Wiseman is on his team as well. So I feel like the rotation was just lacking this game. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, Mete, just getting to you um, <clears throat> once again on the Warriors and specifically Steph Curry, um, does him not making the playoffs hurt his MVP odds this year? I don't think it should. Um, I think they're not considering the play-ins towards the MVP award, like the regular season award. They should just look at the regular season. And, yeah, I feel like Curry had a great year. Honestly, he could be MVP due to the fact that without him, they're just, like, they're not very good. They got blown out by the Raptors by, like, 50 or 60 when he was resting. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's just crazy how much he means to that team, especially this year with all the injuries. And, yeah, I think he should be considered for MVP, but ultimately that's decided by whoever uh, is picking for that award. And um, now let's just recap some of the games that happened in round one here. Um, let's start here with the first game on Saturday. Um, we had the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Miami Heat 109-107. to 107. I believe Chris Middleton hit a game-winning shot in this game to secure the W for the Bucks. Um, looking at some of the stats, yeah, Middleton did lead this team in points with 27. Uh, Goran Dragic had 25 for the Heat. Um, Bam Adebayo, 12 rebounds for Miami, uh, with Yanis uh, adding 18 for the Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler, eight assists to lead his team in Miami, and Chris Middleton adding six for the Bucks. Uh, Mete, I'll start here with you. Um, I, I don't know, who did you think was going to win this game? And I guess, were you surprised by it being really close? Um, I'm not surprised that it was close, but I think I had the Heat winning this game. Um, the Bucks. Like, they shot 5 for 31, and they still won from 3, so that's pretty crazy. Um, like you said, Middleton hit a very nice shot at the end, and this was such an exciting game to watch. Yeah, these two teams are very – pretty evenly matched, I'd say. Um, like, their, their records don't really tell how close these teams are, as the Heat were pretty much injured for a large portion of the season. Um I guess, Nate, I'll get to you on that. Um, with Miami looking a lot healthier, um, is it possible for them to make a run in this series uh, if they can get things back on track? It's possible, but um, it's going to be a lot tougher to make it into the Eastern Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals um, this year because, um, I mean, the Bucks are beatable by the Heat, but they also have to worry about the 76ers and the Nets this year. So, I mean, beating the Bucks would be a good sign for sure, but we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. And um, Terry, let me get to you actually on Milwaukee. Um, I, I assume they really had to win this game because I know that everyone talks about them choking in the playoffs. Um, do you think they have a chance... Um, I guess, to get through this series and possibly push the Nets in the next series? I feel like they have a chance just due to the fact that Giannis and the Bucks don't have that pressure of being the number one seed or even that main focal point in the Eastern Conference. This year, it's Brooklyn and Philly that are taking that spotlight. And I feel like with that being said, the Bucks will fly under the radar as meant it was mentioning last episode um as for pushing brooklyn we still need to see what happens in their series with boston and how they deal with jason tatum defensively 
Um, but with the confidence of them passing this uh, first round matchup, I feel like they do have a chance, but it's going to be a six or seven game series. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, any team that sort of um, gets out of this series will definitely put some pressure on Brooklyn. It's just going to depend on how much. And um, moving into the next game here, this one was a big upset. I don't think we expected a 10-point win by Dallas over the Clippers. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, 113-103. to Uh, Mete, I'll start here with you. Um, This what Luca did in this game was was amazing. I don't know how the Clippers weren't able to contain him. Yeah, Luca did amazing, like you said. Um, triple double from him. It's kind of become the norm for him. And other than that, like the Mavericks were insane this game. They were hitting a lot of threes. They got four four threes from Finney Smith, five from Hardaway Jr. And yeah, they were just making their threes today. Yeah, I mean, Luca really had a breakout uh, in this game. Um, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, all those to lead his team. Um, you got Kawhi Leonard also leading his team in every category. 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. So, um, Terry, I'll get to you sort of on Kawhi. Um, I guess he did as much as he could. Um, I guess he just needs more support at this point. Uh, support in their starting five, just due to the fact that uh, Marcus is it Marcus Morris Senior uh, or Marcus Morris, yeah, Marcus, yeah, yeah Marcus yeah. Morris Senior. He was, I don't want to say inconsistent, but I mean, if you go all for six from three and you're only putting up four points in the starting rotation, I mean, you're going to be needed to do a lot more, especially in playoff time. Ivan Zubak, uh, he needs to be more active on the boards. Um, and on top of that, eight points. It is what they expect coming from Ivan Zubak. He, he's not expected to be scoring over 15 points a night. He's more there for that center presence for the team. Having said that, you got guys like Abaka and probably Nicholas Batum that are going to be carrying a lot more of that pressure from the bench to the rotation when their number does get called upon. And having said that, I mean, the rest of the team was good. I mean, Paul George, 23 points on, well, I can't even say efficient shooting if you consider 8 for 18 effective. Patrick Beverly, 10 points. And then you got Rajon Rondo and Batum with 11 points, respectively, both. Um, It is the first game of the series, so I just expect – the squad to split up the first two games at home. And hopefully we can see a, I don't know, a nice matchup between these two teams. Yeah, this could go six or seven games. I definitely see that happening. And then Nate, just getting to you, um, what did you think about the Dallas depth scoring in this game? Because I think that really helped them as well. Yeah, I think that when this team is um... – when this team is like really playing together um basically this is like a i guess a perfect team in terms of chemistry when they're hot um Doncic, he has really good um passing he has he's a really good scorer so it's um 
really tough to kind of just uh just think of like a scheme like right off the bat that you can cheese the mavericks with um mm -hmm. if you try to like uh try to like do some kind of like uh defense on them they'll probably try to figure something out and when everybody's shooting their threes they're really hard to stop yeah for sure the dallas played a really good game here it's going to be tough for them to replicate it in game two but uh, we'll definitely have to see uh, what the clippers sort of come out with in terms of a game plan but um just moving into the next game uh, it was the Brooklyn Nets being the Boston Celtics, 104 to 93. So, I mean, it wasn't too big of a blowout. Uh, I think Boston stayed competitive for most of this game. Um, I guess just looking at the leaders here, Kevin Durant, 32 points. I mean, he had a big game. Uh, Jason Tatum to lead um, his team, Boston, with 22. Uh, Tristan Thompson to lead the Celtics with 10 rebounds. Kevin Durant at 12 for the Nets. Um, Jason Tatum added five assists. Uh, for the Celtics and James Harden had eight uh, for Brooklyn. Um, I guess I'll get to you first this time, Terry. Um, I guess on Brooklyn's dominance in this game, um, this big three is really making a big difference all being in the lineup. They should. I mean, we can arguably say that they have three of the top 15 players in the league. And when you combine the scoring prowess of Kevin Durant and then Kyrie Irving being able to create a shot and then James Harden being the playmaker on this team. Um, you can expect big things. And let's not forget, you got guys like Joe Harris that aren't going to get enough shine just due to the fact that, I mean, these three guys are going to be the stars of this team. If they, not even the stars, but the main focal point of this team, if they make it to the finals. Yeah, for sure. They played really well. And um, Mete, let me get to you on Boston here. I know this was a breakout game for Robert Williams. He had nine blocks in this game. And I mean, Boston did a pretty good job defending. Normally, Brooklyn's well over 120 points. So uh, I guess, what do you think Boston can do going forward? And what do you think about Robert Williams? Um, Robert Williams, I think he's a great center. He's an amazing defender. And today, we're Yesterday, he proved it with his nine blocks. Um, he also takes smart shots. He's easily shooting at the rim, and he can rebound. Uh, so what do I think the Celtics can do? Um, honestly, I don't even know. They had such a great start this game. I thought they could make it a game out of this, and then in the second half, they just got blown out. Um, I guess... They could be better on offense because uh, 93 points against the Nets is not going to cut it. They've got to be making their threes and shooting better shots. Yeah, for sure. And um, Nate, I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, Brooklyn finally played defense for once this year. Uh, what a, I guess, what did they do to sort of contain Boston or was it just Boston's lack of scoring in your mind? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I guess they are kind of under, some of the players are underrated in defense. Like James Harden, he's known for letting people blow by him, but he does have his moments where he can um, really put the clamps down and make it hard for the other person to score. And I guess it's kind of like for the Celtics, it's kind of a similar story of they're missing Jalen Brown. 
Jalen Brown is a really good two-way player. He can stop a lot of players in this league, and he's a really good scorer as well. And I think that could have, um, if Jalen Brown was in, I think it would have been a lot more competitive um, in this game. Yeah, I definitely think Boston probably would have kept it within one score uh, if they did have Jalen Brown. But um, yeah, that series is definitely going to be tough for them. And then just moving into the last game of Saturday, um, we have the Portland Trailblazers beating the Denver Nuggets 123-109. to Just looking at some of the leaders here, Damian Lillard, 34 points for Portland. Uh, Jokic also had 34 points for the Nuggets. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, 12 rebounds to lead Portland, and Jokic had 16 rebounds to lead the Nuggets. Damian Lillard added 13 assists to lead his team. And Campazzo uh, had uh, five assists for the Nuggets. So um, I guess, Nate, I'll get to you uh, first here on Portland. Um, it looks like they, like Lillard had a good game, but they also got a lot of uh, support behind him. Uh, what do you think about the secondary scoring for this team? Um, it was really good this game. My, my question was because um, they have a, a really good starting five, and then they also have Cantor and Carmelo. My thinking was, well, okay, that's like seven good players, but um, with seven good players, you need to kind of make sure that you can, I guess, keep the pace going for um, really long stretches, and they were able to do that this game. So I think the question now is, can they do this for seven games? Yeah, like you said, they really made sure to do it this game. And um, Terry, let me get to you on the Nuggets here. I know a lot of people said Nikola Jokic, I believe including yourself, said Jokic is the MVP of this season. Um, I mean, he clearly played like it. He clearly led his team um, in most scoring categories. Um, I don't know. How do you feel the support was behind him in this game? And maybe I, which players could probably step up to sort of help him out? It's honestly hard to say. Uh, the Nuggets don't really get a lot of primetime uh, spotlight just due to the fact that I feel like small market teams don't have enough shine in this league. Uh, if you want to criticize some things, I mean, one for 10 from three for Michael Porter Jr. I mean, it's not going to cut it in playoff time. Uh, aside from that, you might want to hope for more scoring from Composio and maybe Rivers, especially if they're getting starter minutes. Aside from that, I mean, I just feel like it was Portland's night. Yeah, Portland really did come to play. And I know, um, Mete, you talked about how much you like this Portland lineup. Um, I guess, what does Portland have over Denver in your mind that makes them a better team? Um, this is Portland's best roster they've had in maybe a decade. Like, they're pretty deep. I know Nate was saying they only have, like, seven good players, but I like Anthony Simons. He was great this game, making threes, four or five and three. Um, even Hollis Jefferson's not too bad. He's a high-energy guy. Derek Jones Jr., a good two-way player as well, I think. And... Giles, even, he's a young player who I think has a lot of potential. So I think it just depends on Terry Stotts if he wants to expand his bench. But I know a lot of coaches like uh, tightening their rotation in the playoffs. So I can see why he only ran eight players this game. Yeah, it really looks like Portland stepped it up in game one. And I guess we'll see uh, what Denver can do uh, coming out in game two. 
All right, just moving into Sunday's games now. Um, taking a look at the first game here, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers being the Washington Wizards, 125-118. to um, Just looking at some of the leaders here, Tobias Harris led the Sixers with 37 points. Bradley Beal uh, led the Wizards with uh, 33. Uh, Beal also added 10 rebounds to lead his team, with Ben Simmons adding 15 for the Sixers. Uh, Russell Westbrook led his team with 14 assists, and Ben Simmons had 15. So... I mean, uh, Ben Simmons had a big line in this game, 6, 15, and 15. I know maybe not the point output that you want, but he was great all around the court. So, Mete, let me get to you first on this. Um, the Sixers really look like one of the best playoff teams in the East after this game. Uh, yeah, like you said, um, Simmons had a great game. Um, six points is honestly fine because they have a lot of depth and they can get scoring elsewhere. Only concern with Simmons is he needs to be able to space the floor. So even like a mid-range jumper would be really nice for him. Um, like I said, they're very deep. Seth Curry, great three-point shooter. You know Embiid is a top three MVP candidate. Tobias Harris had a crazy game here. And yeah, I expect Philly to win this series convincingly convincingly <clears throat> yeah i mean like we didn't even talk about Embiid's 30 points here like they had two high-end scores in this game i guess terry just getting to you on this philly team um depth scoring was great for them uh i know uh dwight howard didn't really play as well as um most people expected he was a minus 13 on the floor um i guess maybe what can improve from the from philly's bench going forward because they are a top team but what can sort of put them over the top that's a good question. I mean, if you're looking for a scoring output from Shake Milton and uh, Maxi both, uh, that would be considered an improvement. Uh, we already know George Hill is going to be that vet on the bench along with Dwight Howard to just calm those guys, the younger guys down. Uh, Matisse Thibel, I mean, he went over two, even though when you do bring him onto the court, you're expecting him to become a defensive presence and you're not really relying on him for his shot. Aside from that, I mean, eventually the game's going to come to them. So don't force them being in the play as much. I mean, with guys like Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons, your shots are going to be coming. I mean, for example, look at Seth Curry. Uh, he had 13 attempts tonight and on that, he had 15 points. Uh, sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not, as some people may go and say. Um, having said that, pretty what much was it. I trying to say? Wait, was that was that pretty much it? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nate, let me let me get to you now. Um, yeah, just looking at the Wizards here, I, I know we talked about. I know I know Mete talked especially about Alex Len. Uh, he did have a good game here. Uh, 12 points for him. Um, I guess, what do the Wizards need to do to even have a chance in this series? Because, I mean, uh, Beal can just put up as many points. Westbrook can just put up as many rebounds, assists. But uh, it just doesn't seem to be working. So, I guess, what do the Wizards need to do in your mind, uh, Nate, to sort of get it done? Um, I think the Wizards, uh, they played pretty well, even though the score was pretty uh, big, I guess. The only thing would kind of be to kind of tighten up your field goal percentage. There were, I think most people 
they had a pretty decent field goal percentage, but I noticed that if Smith ish Smith was uh, three from nine, um, if he was able to kind of increase his field goal percentage to maybe like 50 or 60, 60%, I think that uh, the score would have been a lot closer. I also noticed that um, a lot of people uh, didn't play. So um, maybe expanding the roster a little bit, maybe give some guys some, some more minutes. Yeah, I mean, people have always complained with Westbrook. I mean, he went seven for 17 in this game. Um, maybe he should sacrifice some of those shot attempts that he's missing to maybe give some other guys some looks that could maybe work out in his favor. I know Bradley Beal was solid from the field, so maybe give him some more looks. Hachimura has also been very solid. Um, yeah, but it is going to be tough for them against the Sixers team for sure. Or I think it's even going to be tough for them to take game two. I think the Sixers are definitely going to improve on what they did in this game. Uh, speaking of a team that really needs to improve in their next game, the LA Lakers losing to the Phoenix Suns 99 to 90. Um, Amete, I'll actually get to you on this one first. I know you had the Lakers in this matchup. I guess, what did you see in the Lakers and what did they not do in this game? Um, they just weren't good enough. Like I was saying at the playing game, LeBron and AD usually carry uh, this game. They weren't so good. Um, especially Anthony Davis, he only shot 31% in the field and that's just not good enough and then like I was saying before it's the third um, third player that's going to have to chip in uh, they didn't get that and so I feel like I've been noticing a trend with this Lakers team even last year they lost game one to Portland and to Houston I think so maybe game one is just not their thing yeah, that's one thing about the Lakers is they just, I guess as of late, LeBron and AD have, haven't looked like their old selves from last year. Um, I guess just looking at the stats here, LeBron did still lead <clears throat> this Lakers team with 18 points. Uh, Devin Booker adding 31 for the Phoenix Suns. So, sorry, 34 for the Phoenix Suns. Big game for him. Um, Andre Drummond added nine rebounds to lead the Lakers with DeAndre Ayton adding 16. So he really dominated um, in boards there. And uh, just looking at the Lakers again, LeBron led this team with 10 assists. Devin Booker had eight. I believe Chris Paul went down with an injury. That's a big blow for this team. I'll actually get to you, Nate, on that. Uh, what does Chris Paul being injured really mean for this Phoenix team? Um, I mean... He brings, I think, a lot, a lot of playmaking. He's a good scorer. He raises the ceiling of the entire team. Uh, we we saw just this season. Um, he brought a lot of impact. I think last season, like the Phoenix Suns, they were not even close to the playoffs, and now they have the potential to kind of be a deep playoff threat. So, um, without Chris Paul, it's they. I think the Phoenix Suns become a really beatable team. Yeah, um, they were still able to hold on for the win here um, in this game without Chris Paul there at the end. But uh, Terry, I'll just get to you on this. Um, I mean, can the Lakers rebound in game two? That's pretty much the simplest way I can put it. Uh, as to what you guys were just mentioning a minute ago, Chris Paul is going to be out. And having said that, your uh, bench reserves 
behind Chris Paul are basically Cameron Payne and Javon Carter. Uh, they're going to be looking to Devin Booker to basically handle combo guard duty, whether it's just creating a shot when he brings the ball up the court or just establishing a play for guys like Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton down in the paint, or maybe a corner three for Jake Crowder. Um, if the Suns, not the Suns, if the Lakers can come back, game two would be the night. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think the Lakers should be able to rebound. I know, like Mete said, they struggle in game one sometimes, but they should be able to come out stronger the next game. Um, let's look at a really close game here. The Atlanta Hawks beating the New York Knicks 107-105. to Trey Young hitting the game-winning shot in this game. He had 32 points to lead the Hawks. Uh, Alec Burks had 27 for the Knicks. Uh, Clint Capella uh, adding 13 rebounds to lead the Hawks. And Julius Randle had 12 for the Knicks. Uh, Trey Young led this team in assists with 10 and Derek Rose for the Knicks with five. So um, actually, Terry, I will get to you first on the Knicks. Uh, they lost this tight um, game here. Um, I'm just wondering, why did Julius Randle not play over 40 minutes in this game? He's clearly their best player. Um, do they need to increase his minutes for next game? Or what do you think they need to do to sort of get a win in game two? Well, do remember that the Knicks were horrible for the past decade or almost a decade. So having said that, guys like Julius Randle, I mean, this is their first playoff game. And then sometimes they do play a little bit more over aggressive uh, compared to the regular season. Yeah, sorry. And sometimes it's just those first time jitters. I mean, RG Barrett and Julius Randle did have a poor first half. Uh, not just them, but the starters in general. It was mostly guys like Derrick Rose and the bench having to pick up the slack. And that's how this New York Knicks team managed to keep it uh, together. Um, ways that they can probably keep the game closer. Uh, don't guard Trey Young just for the three-point line. You got to guard him everywhere you go. I mean, he has a very efficient floater as we saw with his, uh, I believe it was the game-winning shot. And having said that, I mean, if you have guys like Derrick Rose guard him all the way through and not just on three-point line, like how I believe Alfred Payton was guarding him earlier, I think you'll do a better job. But this is still an inexperienced Knicks team. I still feel like that the defense is going to help them a lot. I just don't know how far they're going to carry them now just after this first performance. Yeah, I know you're talking about Alfred Payton. He didn't really help them. He was 0 for 3 on field goals in this game. Uh, they took him out of the game quickly after that. Um, Mete, just getting to you, I know you really liked this Hawks team last time when, uh, on the podcast. Um, yeah, they started out strong. Um, how do you think they can, I guess, just keep it going and um, – they're also, did you like the way their secondary scoring really helped them out in this game? Um, honestly, I feel like the secondary scoring needs to pick up. Um, I think outside of Trey Young, the second uh, leading scorer is Bogdanovich, and 18 from your secondary scorer is not enough in today's NBA, but this game, it got them through. Um, yeah, I feel like I like this Hawks team because they're actually very deep. They can run like a 11, 12-man rotation if they wanted to. They have 
solid players. And I feel like they're more experienced than the Knicks, like you guys were saying. They don't have many experienced players. They've got veterans like Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari, Clint Capella. They've got a lot of player playoff experience. So I think that can carry them this series. Yeah, I, I definitely like that analysis on the Hawks. Um, Nate, just getting to you, um, this New York Knicks team has just been good all year. Um, they just surprised many people. Um, I guess what can they do to sort of beat this Hawks team in game two? Um, I guess it can be pretty much came to down to the last shot. So I think they just have to kind of believe that they can um, – beat the Hawks it's very possible that they can do that it I mean basically if Alfred Payton got uh one field goal they would have uh won the game pretty much so they just have to go into the to the next game believing that like we pretty much almost got them we just have to believe in ourselves yeah I definitely agree with that um moving into the last game for Sunday uh, we have an upset here. The Memphis Grizzlies being the number one seed Utah Jazz, a 112 to 109. No Donovan Mitchell in this game for the Jazz. Um, and I mean, this is concerning uh, considering that this team was able to win a lot of games without Mitchell. And I mean, when it comes down to playoff crunch, the Jazz once again are not getting it done. So, Nate, I'll start with you. Um, is this a real thing for Utah not being able to win in the playoffs? And maybe what can they do um, in the next game if they don't have Donovan Mitchell again? Um, I'm thinking that uh, the I don't think this is gonna kind of like be continuously be a thing in the uh, games coming. Although not having Mitchell is a really big handicap for the Jazz, I think they would have had a way easier time. Uh, playing this game against the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies were just really good this game. Um, I think Utah is a deeper team in general, but I also noticed a lot of guys um, didn't uh, play. So um, I think they just kind of have to, I guess, dust themselves off. Maybe they can add some more guys to the rotation, um, but I don't think they should be. Uh, there should be any worries yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mete, let me get to you on the Grizzlies. Um, they had a lot of um, good scores in this game. I know Dylan Brooks, uh, he led the team with 31 points. Um, and then I know Utah had uh, Bogdanovich lead them with 29 points. Valanchunas led the Grizzlies in rebounds with 12. Gobert had 15 for the Jazz. John Morant, four assists for the Grizzlies. And Mike Conley had 11. So I guess in terms of Memphis... Uh, this team looked pretty solid in this game. Um, I, I know that Utah is definitely going to come back stronger for game two. I guess what can Memphis do to sort of just try and get another win? Um, Memphis is honestly a pretty underrated team, like say. I think even I predicted them to get swept here, but I've been sleeping on them. They've got a solid roster. Um, even their bench, Desmond Bain and Grayson Allen can knock down open threes for them. Um, what can they do? Uh, I guess they could just have Dylan Brooks dropping 30 every game. Uh, yeah, he had a great game. It just, it's going to depend on 
their third scorer, I feel like, with Morant and Valanciunas usually carrying the scoring load. It's going to depend on guys like Brooks, maybe Slow Mo Anderson or Jaron Jackson can step it up in the future and carry them to more victories. Yeah, I know Jaron Jackson did struggle in this game. He went one for five from three and two for eight from the field. So it was a pretty tough game for him. He was also a minus 19 while he was on the court. So he's definitely someone that needs to turn his game around. But uh, Terry, I'm going to get to you. Um, should we be concerned about Utah right now, um, especially if Donovan Mitchell isn't coming back uh, in this series? Uh, is it possible that they do lose to this Grizzlies team? I hope not. I mean, it's going to be another Memphis Grizzlies team knocking out, I believe, a first seed team. Last time the Memphis Grizzlies knocked them out as the AFC, I think it was, what, the Spurs or something like that? Not a thousand percent sure. But um, you're just hoping for better uh, efficiency from guys like Jordan Clarkson. I mean, he went for 5 for 16, 0 for 8 from the three-point line. I mean, if he's going to be your reserve, that's going to be the microwave. Or that guy that you can just rely on for the quick bucket. I mean, he needs to be more efficient aside from that. Uh, I feel like small market teams that do have, I don't know, or hold that one, two, or three spot in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference, I feel like they do struggle with, like, lower-seeded teams. We've seen that with Spurs back in, like, well, the Spurs in general back when they had Kawhi Leonard. They probably, like, dropped maybe one or two games against the Mavericks or the Grizzlies, for example, and then they just go through them in, like, six games. Uh, if Donovan Mitchell doesn't come back, I feel like this might be a seven-game series, but we don't know uh, or we don't have word of what his injury status is right now. Yeah, um, it's just really tough for the Jazz right now. Um, they put in the work all year, and it really could blow up in their face here in the first round. So um, actually, we'll just use that as a way to just transition to um, I guess a look at the playoff bracket. Um, let's just take a look here. We'll start with the series we were talking about here in the West, the 1-8, the, the Utah-Memphis series. I know pretty much all of us took Utah to beat, whether it was Memphis or Golden State uh, in this series. Um, do we want to update our predictions based on what we've seen so far, or do we all still like Utah to win this series? I'll start with you, Mete. Um, actually, I had Warriors in seven. Thinking oh, the Warriors okay. were gonna have this uh, seed. Um, yeah, I'd like to update that to Utah in, I'll say six games. Memphis will get one more. All right, Nate. What about you? What do you think about this series? Um, I still think Utah is deep enough to kind of uh, deal with uh, Memphis, so I still kind of like six games. And then Terry, what about you? It's on six, but uh, they might struggle with to close out the series. Not a thousand percent sure on that, though. Yeah, I know. I talked about last time how if Donovan Mitchell is playing for this Jazz team, it would be concerning if they didn't get a sweep here. So if Mitchell does play, I expect them to win every single game that he's in the lineup. So, um, I don't know, maybe Memphis could take one more game before then, but I think the moment he does enter this lineup, this team should just take off 
and uh, they'd probably be pretty difficult to stop. So um, if he does come back for the next game, I think Utah in five and I guess just wherever he comes back, that's sort of where I see Utah winning the series. If he doesn't come back at all, this could be a six or seven game series. It's, it's going to be tough to say, but uh, yeah, Memphis looked really strong uh, to start out. So um, yeah, I still would uh, take Utah in five or six for sure. Um, let's just move to the four or five series here in the West. Um, the Lakers, or sorry, the Clippers and the Mavericks. Um, Dallas does lead the series one nothing as we speak. Um, Terry, this time I'll start with you. I believe you had the Clippers winning in this series. Um, do you still like the Clippers here, or did Dallas sort of change your opinion? Still like the Clippers just due to the fact that, I mean, we did mention on the last episode, Kawhi and Paul George do have something to prove here. Uh, if they don't make it out of the first round, expect a lot of moves happening down in LA. Uh, seven games, maybe six games, LA. All right, Nate, what about you? Uh, how do you see this series going? Um, I feel like Dallas, they they they're just really good against the Clippers for some reason. Um, it seems like whatever the Clippers do, Dallas seems to have an answer for it. So I think it might go to seven games. I think for now I'm going to stay Dallas. Okay. And, uh, Mete, uh, do you like the Clippers or Dallas here? Yeah, I'm sticking with the Clippers. I just want to see them play Ibaka more. I noticed he got 13 minutes last game. So I think they need to make that adjustment. Yeah. Um, I've, been backing the Clippers for the most part this year in the West, and I think I'll stay with them. I don't think one game sort of changes my mindset in that sense. I think that uh, they definitely get back into this series, and uh, yeah, they should be able to do it within six or seven games, I think. So um, just moving into the 3-6 uh, series, the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. Portland does lead this series 1-0. I know I believe it was Mete and I were on Portland, and I believe Terry and Nate were on Denver, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Terry, I'll start with you this time. Um, are you still on Denver after game one, or do you like Portland in this series? I still like Denver. Uh, they have the MVP for this year, Nikola Jokic. Um, it's going to be a long series, but I do feel like Denver's going to pull out on this one. All right, Nate, what about you? I think we'll probably uh, know for sure after game three, but um, I'm still wondering how how long Portland can kind of keep up their high-powered offense and how, how much they can push the pace. So if they can't, then it's probably going to be maybe Denver in like six or seven. All right, and then Mete, are you still on Portland? I, I assume you probably are after game one. Yeah, definitely. Um, my original prediction was in seven, and now I'm thinking maybe it might be a shorter series, honestly. So maybe it could go to like five or six for Portland, I think. Well, I know if Portland definitely wins game two, I believe on Monday night, uh, they, they'll definitely be in the driver's seat of this series. And then heading home, that pretty much is where they can at least pick up one game and sort of finish it off in maybe five or six. So, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Portland as well. I, I like the way this team's playing. Um, they're just putting up key buckets. Their front courts, or sorry, their back courts just been uh, dominating. And 
yeah, there's not much else I can say. I, I like Portland in six or seven as well. Um, and then the last series in the West, the two seven, the Phoenix LA Lakers series. Um, I know a, a lot of us did say Lakers. Uh, I believe one of us did say Phoenix. I couldn't remember who, but this time I'll start with you, Mate. Phoenix is up one nothing. Do you still like the Lakers here, or are you maybe leaning towards Phoenix now? Yeah, I'm still on the Lakers. I think my original prediction was them in five games. So after that game, I'm kind of doubting it. Maybe it'll be a longer series. So that's my only uh, change, I guess. Maybe in six or seven, the Lakers. Now. All right, Nate, how about you? Uh, what do you see this series going to? And who do you like? I think it depends on how healthy Chris Paul is. He really wants to um, kind of see this series through. So if he's in, it's probably going to be, I think, maybe six or seven games. Um, I think maybe the Lakers can win, but I'm kind of feeling down, uh, Phoenix right now. And then, Terry, how about you? Um, who do you see winning this series? Chris Paul's out. Um, I still go with the Lakers. If Chris Paul's in, I still go with the Lakers. Uh, how should I say this? I feel like the Suns will sneak out one more game, whether it's with or without Chris Paul. Who knows? Um, I still got Lakers in maybe six games, if anything. Yeah, I know I was on the Lakers. Um, but if Chris Paul does come back, I definitely like Phoenix a little bit better in this series. I think that they've just been able to – I guess, push the pace on the offense. And I guess the Lakers, they've just been struggling. Even in that game against the Warriors, I, I just saw they were struggling so much in the first half just to put up buckets. And, um, yeah, this Phoenix team is really solid all the way through. But, uh, like I said, if uh, Chris Paul's out, the Lakers should easily be able to win this series. Um, they'll definitely have the advantage in most areas on the court. And it'll just make it really difficult for, for Phoenix to get anything done. Um, but yeah, uh, assuming Chris Paul doesn't play for game two, I definitely like the Lakers there. Um, let's move to the East now. Um, Philly uh, is at the one seed and Washington's at the eighth seed. Philly's up in the series one, nothing. Um, Terry, I'll start with you here. Um, is this a Philly sweep or can Washington even take one game? Give Washington the gentleman sweep. Philly in five. Uh, all you want if you're a Washington fan is, like, for your team to, like, go down fighting at this rate. I mean, the first game was, what, seven-point defeat for Washington? It was, like, 125-118, so, yeah, seven. Uh, just keep the games close. Show that you're not uh, pushovers. Keep the games tight. Philly uh, and five. All right, Nate, what about you? Um, I'm thinking they might be able to take one game, but uh, Philly's just a really strong team. They're probably, I think, the second deepest team in in the East, so I don't think it's going to go more than five games. And then, Mete, what about you? So, originally, we had the Celtics here as the eighth seed, and I had it as a seven-game series for the Sixers. Um, now that it's the Wizards, uh, I think this might be a sweep. 
Yeah, I know I talked about in last week that for some of these teams, if they don't sweep, that comes up as a concern um, just for how deep teams can go in the playoffs because uh, especially in the NBA, um, in the first round, a lot of the dominant teams tend to sweep their series, um, especially if you're sitting at the one seed or the two seed. So, yeah, I think um, the concern for Philly would be if they don't sweep this series, that maybe they won't have a chance to go to the finals this year. Um, this team is as dominant as can be in the East, and I think that um, sweeping would sort of set the tone for, I guess, uh, their matchups going forward. So the, I think they definitely need a sweep for some momentum um, heading through the playoffs. And um, just getting to the the 4-5, the Knicks and Hawks, uh, the Hawks are up 1-0. Amete, you had the Hawks winning this series. I think you had them in seven. Um, do you like that prediction still, or would you change that? Yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. That game was super tight yesterday, so I think it still goes seven for the Hawks. And and then, Nate, what about you? I know you were on the Knicks. Um, do you still like the Knicks taking it, or are you on the Hawks? Um, I still kind of believe in the Knicks a little bit, so I'll take them in seven. <laughs> And then, Terry, how about you? Are you still with the Knicks, or are you maybe on the Hawks now? Knicks and seven. I'll stick to all my picks, hopefully. Uh, we saw how uh, loud that crowd was last night in uh, MSG. Having said that, I mean, if the Knicks do uh, clean up on some of their mistakes, I feel like they're going to get a couple games from this uh, talented Atlanta team. Yeah, I think I said Knicks in six or seven. I'm going to stick with that as well. This Knicks team, they didn't play too bad last game. Uh, they definitely need to uh, sort of sort out their uh, starting rotation. But uh, outside of that, I think that they can definitely win this series. Um, just getting to the 3-6, Milwaukee and Miami. Uh, the Bucks are up one nothing in this series. Um, Terry, I'll start with you here. Um, who do you see taking this? I, I can't remember who you picked in this series, but who do you see taking this? I think I picked the Bucks. I'm not a thousand percent sure. Uh, Milwaukee has something to prove, and since they're not one of the powerhouse two teams in the East, I feel like they're going to fly under the radar. And I believe it's Bucks and six. I said last episode, not a thousand percent sure. All right, Nate. What about you? Um, it looks like the Bucks are playing um really good, but. The Heat did beat them, I think, last series. So I think it's going to go to at least six games. But um, I think I'll take the Bucks for now. And then, Mete, what about you? Do you like the Bucks or do you like the Heat? Yeah, I think my original prediction was Bucks in seven, and I'm going to stick to that. Yeah, I like Bucks in six or seven as well. This series should definitely go the distance. Um I expect Miami to come up next game and grab a win to tie up this series. Um, it's definitely going to be close the rest of the way through. So, yeah, but I still think Milwaukee is the the better team this year. Um, and then looking at the 2-7, Brooklyn, Boston, I'm just going to go out, first of all, and say that if Brooklyn doesn't sweep here, then uh, there's a chance that a team like Philly or Milwaukee could take them out later on. I feel like that this is sort of a test series for them to see how good is this team really. And they they came out firing in the first game. Uh, they started off kind of rough, but then they really came out. 
um, strong. So I definitely think they can sweep um, at the most five games. So Terry, what do you think? Uh, I got to agree with you. Brooklyn in five, uh, if they're really efficient, probably four. Um, I don't have that much to say. It's basically the same what you guys say. If they don't have a gentleman sweep or a sweep, uh, you got to look at the holes in the team coming in the next matchup. All right, Nate, what about you? Um, I mean, there's always a chance that Tatum can put up 50. He always has that in him. So if he does, they might be able to take a game. But well, I don't know, think Tatum will be able to put, put up 50 or more like every single game. And even then, it uh, the Nets will still always have a chance to win regardless of how much Jason Tatum scores. So probably the Nets in five. All right, Mattia, how do you feel about this? Um, with the start that the Celtics had last game, I feel like if they were going to win any game, it was game one, and they didn't close it out. So I think this will be a sweep for the Nets. Yeah, I definitely like the Nets sweeping here. I feel like this is just the start of a long playoff run for them. So uh, let's just transition into the Monday games. Um, yeah, let's just take a look here. Uh, we have the... Um, Milwaukee Bucks at home, they're uh, four and a half point favorites against the Miami Heat. Uh, I think I'm going to side with the Heat for this game. I feel like this is a bounce back game for them. I'll start with you, Mete. What do you think about this? Yeah, I agree. Um, I like the Heat this game. Uh, they only lost by two last game, so I think they can rebound. And then Nate, what about you? I think uh, the Heat are capable of beating the Bucks in game two. And to you, Terry? I hate to agree with everyone, but I feel like it's the Heat. I mean, they're probably going to have a sour taste in their mouth after uh, Middleton scored that game winner. Having said that, they don't want to go down 2-0 going back to Miami. Yeah, I think we're all pretty much in agreement there. And just looking at the the next game scheduled for Monday, um, it's the Portland Trailblazers at the Denver Nuggets. Um, Nuggets are a one and a half point favorite. Uh, this time, Terry, I'll start with you in saying that um, I guess can the Nuggets bounce back? Uh, they have to. Uh, you don't want to go to Portland and be down too old. Uh, it's essential for Denver to win this game just so they split the series and it's going to be, what, a battle of five now? If that's the case, having said that, uh, I feel Michael Porter Jr. is going to be more efficient this game. And you said the spread was, what, 1.5? Yeah, the Nuggets were favored by one and a half. So basically, two. So, yeah, I feel like they're going to win probably not a, uh, by a landslide, but it's going to be probably within 10 points. All right, Nate, what about you? Who do you like in this game? Um, it's pretty much dependent on, I guess, Portland's bench. Um, if they show up, then maybe Portland might be able to take another game, but I'm still kind of feeling the nuggets on this. And uh, Mete, uh, who do you like in this game? I think I'm going to go with Portland here. Uh, game one, they won three or four quarters, so... Mm -hmm. They were pretty dominant in that game, and I think they can do it again. I think I might side with Denver for this game, just because, Terry, you were saying about how they really need to get back into the series. They can't let it start slipping away, and they are the home team, so they should be able to bounce back in my mind. 
Uh, I feel like, like you said, Michael Porter Jr. sort of struggled in the first game. I feel like he'll sort of get it back uh, for game two. And I think that, um, I guess, with Jokic being there, uh, they definitely should be able to pull out this game. Um, let's actually just look at some of Tuesday's games as well. Um, I know the the Brooklyn Nets are nine and a half point favorites over Boston. I I don't know. I feel like that Boston should be able to keep it closer in game two. I don't know, Mete, what do you think? Do you think that was Boston's best game or do you think they'll be able to keep it close here? Um, yeah, I think they could keep it closer. Um, Tatum, like Nate said, could go off for 50 any day. So Tatum could just score 30 plus and keep it close for the Celtics. Uh, Nate, what about you? Do you see Brooklyn getting a blowout here, or do you see the Celtics keeping it close? Uh, I think the Celtics should be able to keep it close, but it'll be tough because I think this is an away game for them, but they should still be able to do that. And Terry, what about you? I feel like Brooklyn's going to win it. Uh, spread was, what, 9.5? Yeah. So 10 points. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn's going to win it. I feel like it's going to be within that margin, but I feel like Boston might pull off maybe one victory at home, but that's it. Yeah, I like Brooklyn winning here as well, and I actually like them blowing up. I believe they won by 11 last game. I believe they can win by at least the same amount this game. Uh, we talked about Boston, that being their best first half that they played against Brooklyn, and I don't know if they can do it again, so I think I might side with Brooklyn here. Um the Lakers are favored in their matchup uh, by two points over the Suns. Um, Terry, I'll start with you. If Chris Paul's out, do the Lakers win this game? Uh, yes, they do. They need to win it. Because um, uh, once you go to Staples Center, uh, I feel like that's where you take advantage of the shorthanded Phoenix team. And uh, Nate, uh, do you like the Lakers in this game? Um, I think they'll be able to take this game if Chris Paul is out for sure. Yeah, I think so as well. And I guess, Mete, you're probably going to side with the Lakers as well. Yeah, I like the Lakers here. All right. And then the last game for Tuesday, the LA Clippers are six-point favorites against the Dallas Mavericks. I guess in my right mind, I will I wanted to take the Clippers, but I can't give them six points. I feel like that's too much. So I probably would side with Dallas here. I'll start with you, Mete. Do you like the Clippers to win? And do you like them to win by at least six? Yeah, I think they can win in six, honestly. Uh, like I said, the Mavericks were just on fire from three. And that's very hard to replicate. So I think the Clippers can win by six this game. And uh, Nate, what about you? Um, I still think Dallas can keep it close. All right, Terry, let me just get to you on this matchup. Uh, who do you see taking it, and do you think the Clippers can cover if they win? I mean, these four or five matchups are tough to just predict who's going to win. Um, if the Clips are going to win, it's going to be by a little bit more just due to the fact that they need to prove something in this game and they don't want to go uh, to – Texas and just be down 2-0. That's just too much pressure, uh, especially on this, on the track record of this LA Clipper uh, team. Um, I feel like the Clippers will win it. It might be more than six, but if Porzingis comes to play, I feel like 
Dallas may win this one. Yeah, I think that's why I definitely like the spread here for Dallas. Um, I do like the Clippers winning this game, though. I definitely think that they need to bounce back. And uh, yeah, that's going to be the end of our Fantasy uh, Fanatics podcast, uh, Big Time Basketball. Um, If you like this episode, uh, we have more episodes on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Uh, Leave a review for us. Um, click the bell for notifications, everything like that. Check us out on uh, Instagram and Twitter at FanFanPodcast. We post pics there. Uh, we got lots of good stuff uh, on our social media, so definitely check us out. And guys, thanks again, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.